Chat with Traders is sponsored by Trade the Pool. Are concerns about limited buying power, insufficient capital, or fear of losing your own money preventing you from advancing your trading capabilities? Trade the Pool is an online stock trading prop firm that offers funding for stock traders. Demonstrate your skills, trade their capital, and keep your profits. You can engage in intraday trading and now swing trading on Trade the Pool with any U.S. stock or ETF. The procedure is straightforward. Pay an evaluation fee, successfully complete the evaluation, and get funded. Visit tradethepool.com forward slash chat to learn more. You've seen the headlines. Bonds are making a comeback. But if you've ever tried to invest in bonds, you know what a clunky, complicated, broken experience it can be. That's why at Public, they took fixed income and fixed it. Now you can find, evaluate, and buy thousands of bonds with an investing experience designed this century. Add fixed income to your portfolio with corporate, treasury, and municipal bonds. Go to public.com forward slash bonds podcast to get started. This podcast is sponsored by Public. Full disclosures can be found at public.com forward slash bonds. Markets, speculation, and risk. This is the Chat with Traders podcast, hosted by Aaron Fifield. Okay, how you doing, everybody? Here we are, episode 119. And first thing, I have a bit of an announcement for you. Last week, I mentioned I'm heading to New York very soon, and I would have more details this week about a Chat with Traders event. So here it goes. On Tuesday evening, the 2nd of May, I'll be putting on Bears and Pizza and a live podcast, and following that, a Q&A session. The live podcast will be a casual interview with a trader. Who that trader is has not been finalized just yet, but I will keep you posted. The venue will be the event space at WeWork in New York's Financial District. It's a really cool spot. Uh, the cost to come along is all of 12 bucks, and that covers absolutely everything. You can RSVP right now at chatwithtraders.com slash NY. So if you're thinking about coming, please don't sleep on this because there are limits on how many people we can have there. And I should also mention this event is made possible and dirt cheap thanks to two awesome sponsors, Trading Technologies and Sang Luchi. Once more, the link to reserve your spot is simply chatwithtraders.com slash NY. I'm pumped for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I'm also excited for you to meet my guest this week, Alex. He's asked if I could keep his last name private, so I'll, of course, respect that. But to further identify him, his Twitter handle is at T-A-G-R Trades. Alex is a 27-year-old day trader from Texas He's been trading full-time for four years now and recently has really begun to hit his stride. Alex closed Q1 of 2017 with a $49,000 gain after going into the year with an account balance of $32,000. He's a small cap momentum trader, but unlike most guests who have had on previously that play in this space, Alex takes the majority of his trades on the long side. So naturally, we chat about his reasons for this. We also chat about the leap into full-time trading, key lessons Alex learned in the early stages of his development, how he manages trades, and why journaling has been immensely helpful. That's it. Let's do this. Please welcome Alex to episode 119. 
Alex, how old were you when you first got interested in trading and what were you doing at the time? I was probably 19 or 20 years old. Um, I was in college and I was waiting tables one summer when I was back at home. And I was, I've always been kind of a saver. Um, so I, d- I didn't have a lot of expenses. So I had some money saved up. My dad kind of near the end of the summer said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you put some of that money to good use or, or try to make some money with it in the market? I thought, I mean, what's, what's the worst that could happen? That sounds pretty good. And I opened up, uh, an E-Trade account of, uh, my first little brokerage account. And I put about two or $3,000 in there. And, um, I remember him telling me that these, these agriculture stocks have just been going crazy and, and everybody's making money in them. And, um, I put a few bucks in there and the rest was history. That was my, that was kind of my first little taste. But after that, I didn't trade for a couple of years. So why was it that your dad kind of influenced you to take a shot at trading or, or more investing? Does he dabble in it himself? Yeah. So he, he was actually retired at the time. He's one of those guys that always has uh, CNBC on around the house. Um, Jim Cramer, I like, grew up to him yelling, uh, <laughs> hearing that voice yell. So it, it was just kind of almost a natural thing. He was really big into business and, and I was really interested in business, but I, I mean, I had no experience when, when he, when he brought it up, I thought, you know what, if he, if he was the one recommending it, what's the worst thing that could happen? <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, you're young, you had some savings. Why not? Exactly. So you said that you had this kind of first run in with trading or investing. I'm not sure what you'd call it. And then you didn't do anything for a couple of years. You came back to it. What sort of brought you back to it? And, you know, tell us a little bit about that time. Yeah. So the, the first, that, that little summer, I probably just traded about four different stocks and, and I ended up having to go back to school that fall. And it, it wasn't even really in my thought process of, of being a trader. Um, it, it was just kind of a thing. And I kept the account open and it had the money in there and I didn't touch it. And then, uh, after I graduated college, uh, I got a job at a software company, uh, in Dallas, Texas. And after about six months of working there, I had kind of gotten the job kind of figured out. I was kind of coasting a bit. Um, and I had some money saved up. I, I th- from what I remember, I think I got a, a statement from E-Trade saying I had some money in there that I completely forgot about. And I thought, Oh, you know, it's kind of the same thing I thought the time before cool. You know, maybe, maybe I can play around with this almost more like a hobby. So when I was, when I was working full time, um, I, I put a few more thousand dollars in there, had about $6,000 in my account. And at nights when, when work was slow and I, and I didn't have much going on the next work day, I would, I would do some research on, on Yahoo finance and, and find some, find some little garbage stocks that people were talking about. And, I, I would place some trades while I was working. Uh, I really absolutely zero idea what I was doing. I don't think I even had charts up at the time, but as, as it seems like a lot of guys that you have on here, I just had some serious beginner's luck. And, uh, my first few trades were like 20 or 30% winners on about three trades. And I mean, that, if that doesn't spark anybody's interest, I don't know what would. <laughs> and I know it wasn't too long after that, you actually had some some real beginner's luck and you made something like $17,000 in, in one day. Can you tell us a bit about how that all went down? Yeah, definitely. So I wish I like wrote down notes about these trades in the beginning, but of course I didn't. Um, I do, looking back, I don't know, I went eight for 10 on my first trades were winners and they were pretty substantially large because I was trading small cap stocks. And I eventually got a promotion at that 
in the first couple of years of that job or first year of that job stopped trading again because I was busy and I picked it back up and you know, it, I, I can't explain really what happened, but I know that it was, it was going into a summer um, and all these solar stocks were going crazy. The big ones like Elon Musk's solar city and Canadian solar. And there was this small solar company that, that people on these message boards were saying, Oh, it's $2. It's or dollar 50. It's going to be 30. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny because some of my friends kind of think I'm like a hippie or like, I don't know why they would say that, but I'm kind of more like an earthy guy. So I was all behind this solar thing. I thought it was just the greatest thing. It was going to change the world. So I took the, the, the money that I had built up and I never took any of the money out originally that I had made while I was working. It was just kind of a, a savings thing or almost a hobby, like I said. And I, I remember I put probably about half the account in there and, and this little solar company went to a meeting and I came back and that same day, about two hours later, I was up about $5,000 and I thought, what, like, what do I, what just happened? And, um, so I'm sitting there not looking at charts, just, just pressing the refresh button on the, on my broker page. Um, I ended up putting in the rest of the account in there. And then the next morning I, I woke up, I, I didn't even know what pre-market trading was. I didn't even know you could do that. Um, I was in a meeting, come out of the meeting in the morning and I see I was up around $20,000 and like literally my hands were shaking. I was like, what, what do I do? Well, it's only four or $5 a share right now. It had already doubled more than doubled, but these guys say it's going to 30. Let's just ride this train. I'd gotten up to around 25 to $27,000 in that second day. And I just, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I literally was just kind of frozen, excited and scared, I guess you could say, because what happens next? Well, that same day it dropped about 25, 20, and then it hit 17. I just hit the, the sell button. And like any smart person, that's when I went home and, and talked to my wife about how I'm going to quit my job and get, get into trading full time. So that's, that's kind of how it, how, it, how it went for me. Okay. Okay. Now, just before we get into that full time situation, why do you think that trade was beginner's luck? I mean, we had a chat before um, hopping on the call now and you'd referenced it as beginner's luck. Why do you think it was beginner's luck? Um, because I didn't know what entries were, what exits were. I, I was basically going off just based on, on, on people that were on message boards and, and listening to people and, and kind of just kind of following them, which I mean, I, I guess this could be a strategy depending on what you want to say, but, um, I didn't go into it with a plan. I, 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 I did not see it happening and it just happened, but I kind of thought because my first few trades were, were successful that, I mean, if I, if I went eight for 10 and I didn't know what I was doing, well, if I knew what I was doing, oh my gosh, how much money could I make? I mean, I was already thinking millions, but I had no plan. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I knew what I might be doing, but I didn't realize it was beginner's luck at the time. It was, it was two weeks later that I realized it was beginner's luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I liked your comments around the fact that this, what happened was just totally unexpected. Like you didn't expect to make, have any idea that you would make that much money off that trade. Um, it kind of reminds me, I, I think probably a, a couple years after I got into trading, I was short an Australian mining stock here and I'd been short the stock for oh, probably about three weeks. And then one morning when the market opened, the price was down like 30%. 
and obviously a great day to be short and it just kept moving. It was down 40% like an hour later and I think it even got maybe down 50%. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was, it was severe. And I was just like, obviously I was in a short trade. I wanted to be short, but I was like, what do I do? Like I'd never traded through an event like that. You're, you're just kind of like, you know, do I get out now or do I try and like make the most of it? It's until you sort of like experience that event, it, it's really hard to know what you're going to do in that situation. Like you just don't anticipate for it, you know, generally. Right. You're, you're, you're frozen. I mean, I thought I was going to be in that trade for months, weeks, years. And then the next day I'm up more than, I, I mean, I, that number just, it, when I saw it in my account, it didn't seem real and I didn't know how to react <laughs> to it. So yeah, yeah. So tell us about your thought process when you went home that evening, had a conversation with your wife about quitting your job, going full-time into trading. How did that play out? Yeah. So, I mean, at the time I was probably 24, 25. I had saved a, a little nest egg, I guess you could say, for as, as few years as I'd been working. Um, and my wife at the time, she was a, a nanny. So she had a job and we didn't have a lot of expenses. And I just just remember talking to her saying, you know, like what, what's, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, obviously there are terrible things that could happen, but at the time it was, it was like, I just thought that I didn't see the downside. It was, look, we're going to be just very wealthy here quickly because I'm going to quit my job and just keep doing this. You know, it's going to be $25,000 after $25,000. So I think I, I think I sold her, not sold her, but I convinced her pretty easily that it was, it was worth a shot. I was just a worth a shot is kind of how I looked at it. It was selling my parents and, and my in-laws. That was a little bit more difficult, but they, they all, they all came around after I gave a legitimate backing or a reasoning for it. Okay. And how did you go once you went full time? I presume that you didn't, you know, you weren't making 25 grand each day. How did it actually go? Yeah, that's, I mean, I would say day three, I realized it was all beginner's luck. Basically how it went was I, um, I read, I, I, I put my two weeks notice in with my company uh, that I was working with. And, um, at night I was just destroying trading books, just reading them so quickly. The one saving grace was that I created a business plan, which was a plan created for like a trend trader or a, or a longer term trader. Um, but it saved me in the early, early on, but my first three trades were, were losers doing exactly what I did before. Um, I would say there were probably around a thousand dollars loss each. And I just remember sitting in my chair going, what, what the hell did I get myself into? I just, I just left a, a really good job with a software company. Um, and I thought I had this figured out. And very quickly did I realize I had no idea what I was doing. I barely knew what candlestick charting was. I, I barely, I mean, I didn't really know anything. So it was a very quick, very quick uh, reality check that I had. But you stuck to it, right? Like you didn't go back to your job. You've been full-time ever since that moment, correct? Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, I would say on probably about day three of that, I, I did what any, any rational person would do. And I went to Google and searched, you know, how, how, to, how to make money in stocks or, or small caps or something like that. I, I don't remember what I searched, but I remember that day, about the third day, just being like, I've got to, you know, I've got to figure this out. And, and I guess some people, some people I've heard just say, you've got to like burn the bridge and, and just go for it. Well, you know, I, I knew I had the job that I left there. Um, not, I, I wouldn't say there, but I could probably go back to it if I wanted to. So 
I wasn't like really, really scared, but I knew I had to make some changes. And, you know, I, I ended up signing up for like two or three chat rooms, some alert services, bought some DVDs. I mean, I dropped probably about two or $3,000 that day on just education. Unfortunately, a lot of that sent me down a, a you know, really bad rabbit hole of learning really bad habits of averaging down on, on trades that, that shouldn't be. And, um, and things like that. But no, I, I didn't give up. I, I, I dug in and I fought for two years pretty unsuccessfully. Um, the first six months, as a matter of fact, I didn't have a green month and that was very hard, um, emotionally on myself. Um, but ironically after that, after that first six months, every single month since then has been green, not huge by any means, but, but I, I guess that, that says something. <laughs> yeah. It's all about that consistency. Right. Okay. So, I mean, how did you, how did you support yourself for those, especially those first six months? Like, was it just the fact that you had a bit of a savings nest egg that you could rely on? Yeah. So I, I ended up building that first account that I started when I was in college to uh, right around $50,000 through my, through my winnings of, you know, my first 10 or so trades and that big one. Um, and so what I actually did was, is, uh, took a little bit out as kind of what I would live on. I had some nice save, we had some nice savings and then my wife was working. So we had at least one check coming in and we, we basically cut back as in, I mean, you know, some people start businesses and they say like bootstrapping, like cutting, cutting your expenses down, trying to do everything as you, as little as you can. Well, that, that's really kind of what saved me in the, in the years where there just wasn't a lot coming in, what saved us was we, you know, we weren't out living lavish lifestyles and when I hit a big, when I did hit a big win or a big trade, it's not like we would go out and have a steak and champagne dinner. That money was going like, you know, either to help us, you know, push forward a little bit or to go into the account to try to work with. So, um, it was, it was, it was, it was a lot of grinding, you know, it was, it was really trying to every win, trying to, 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 to work off that knowing that I was going to have some losses ahead of me. I mean, it was, it was a real battle with a lot of times my, my back was against the wall to the point where, I did have a, a, a dollar figure that I had discussed with my, my family and my wife that if we got to that point, we would just shut down and I would, I would try to move on from it. But, you know, knock on wood or whatever, I, as close as I got there, we, we never got there. Now, you brought up um, rabbit holes before. And if I understand correctly, there was a time, um, I presume it was after you went full time into trading, uh, that you began to vary from trading stocks like you had uh, been doing initially and you began trading things like crude oil, uh, trading options and that sort of thing. Can you tell us a bit about like why did you decide to, you know, look to these other products that you could trade and how did that go for you? Yeah. So I would say simply the reason I did, you know, I, I really tried to go out there and, and, and I guess test the waters and everything was, you know, I saw guys online that were just consistently day after day, um, putting up great numbers. Um, and I had like one little thing I could trade in the small cap sector. And when that wasn't, when that wasn't there, I was either losing money over trading or, or, or trying to do, you know, trying to test a new crossover, you know, entry signal or always trying to figure out what can I do to be more consistent. Well, you know, just being new, I just thought maybe that meant trading options or that meant, adding futures into the mix. But those I realized, I mean, those are, it's like a whole, it's a whole different 
ball game when you get into those kinds of things. I mean, it's not, it's not the same at all. And that was actually probably what set me, set me back, um, in my, in my growth was, you know, and, 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 but at the same time, the things, the lessons that I learned in trading options, trying to learn how to trade options and trying to trade futures, um, help me now. So I, I can't really hate those periods, but, um, I, I did waste, I cannot waste, but I did spend a lot of time trying to learn things that were just not set up for my personality. My, my, and I also, even with shorting, I tried to learn how to, to, to focus on shorting, but it just didn't match my risk profile. I'm a very, I do not like taking large risks. I don't like large drawdowns and things like that. So for me, it was, it was, I guess it was an, a learning experience of what not to do. I like how you talk about that, that sort of exploration phase as though it wasn't a waste of time. You know, I, it, it's kind of tricky because it's kind of like one of those things that you should maybe try and avoid, but when you do do it, it's, it is beneficial in some ways as well by sort of testing the waters and sort of seeing what, what other options are out there. So yeah, it's a tricky one. 100%. And even, even when I talk about it sometime with the and one of the main people I talk about trading with is my wife, because I, I just, we, we share a lot of things together and, and I'll, I'll laugh and say, man, I cannot believe I wasted, you know, three weeks reading all of these futures books on, on like volume profile or auction market theory. And, and it, it got me nowhere. I'm not even using it anymore, but in reality I am still using it just in a whole different context. Um, so, I, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to see it right away, but, but all those things kind of like build up your playbook or your strategy elsewhere. Totally. Totally. So reflecting back on this time, do you think the way that you went full time was a good move in hindsight or do you think that you could have done it better? Oh yeah, I could have totally done it better. <laughs> um, but would I have done it? I don't know if I knew that I did, if I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think if I knew how little I knew, I wouldn't have done it. But because I kind of made that leap, I gave myself one bullet in the chamber and I said, I got one shot. You know, I, I, I really dug in and you know, that, probably pushed me harder than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, I always laugh. Like if I, would I want my friends to get into do what I'm doing or my, my kids at some point? No, I mean, I, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard business. And unless you really, really want to make it or really want to do it, I mean, it's, it's hard. So I, I don't know if I would have done it if I didn't make that jump the way I did. Was it the right way? Probably not, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's worked out. It's worked out. So Alex, I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking with you about some of the lessons that you that have been most um, effective, sort of over this over these few years to get you to the point of where you're at now. One of the things which I think is quite cool about your story is that you have been able to avoid blowing up any trading accounts. You know, I speak with a lot of traders. I'm sure um, you you do also. And it's very common to hear that new traders will blow up their account multiple times. You have been able to avoid doing that. Why do you think that is? First off, it was because for some reason, the, the way I began my trading was, was kind of like building a model based around long-term trading. So like risking 2% of your portfolio per trade. And I kind of hammered that into myself early. Not that I, I mean, sometimes I took larger percentage, but, but really not not like detrimental losses. And, you know, like you said, I've, you've seen people, I've seen people, I've, I've made a lot of friends in trading and I probably still maybe talk to one person because a lot of people have blown up. 
Um, and I'm not saying that shorting is bad. I know a lot of people that do very, very, I mean, they do very well for themselves shorting, but a lot of, a lot of starters, a lot of, a lot of people that don't know what to do really put themselves in some, in some bad situations early on. And even with leverage in itself, just margin, um, a lot of people try to get on margin to, to put up big wins early on. And I, I never once traded on margin and not because I like, I can't say I'm smarter or like, man, that was a great call by me. I just, I, I didn't, I mean, I just didn't think it was, I, I it wasn't right for me. I, I'm not, I like to sleep at night <laughs> and I like to enjoy my life outside of, out of, out of trading. And those things at the time just were not, were not there. So I kind of avoided some of the really big pitfalls that, that some people, some people go after. I mean, I was, I was okay with smaller wins uh, early on versus trying to go for the big ones. But like I said, I, I saw guys that would come in and I talked to them for two or three months and then they'd be, you know, they'd be short natural gas, three times levered ETF, and they'd be so far underwater, they'd be adding to it and adding to it. And then I just never hear from them again. And I feel like that happened so many times. So was I lucky? Probably, but I would say I kind of stacked those, those really big landmines. I didn't, I didn't put those in, I didn't have those around me. And I think that's a really important point. Like when you're just getting into trading, you shouldn't really be trying to take home those big wins your your priority should really just be about trying to make good trades and get some consistency with those once you achieve that then you can think about scaling up and, and trading some size but until you can actually get to a point where you're taking good trades and you have consistency you know you're just um, setting yourself up to fail are you a developing or seasoned day trader who trades the u.s markets is the only thing stopping you from getting to the next level is having enough capital to trade? Trade the Pool is a unique online stock trading prop firm that funds stock traders worldwide. Not having to risk your own capital can help you focus on other things like making better decisions on your trades. There's no PDT rules to worry about. You got more than 12,000 stocks and ETFs to trade, long or short, and professional tools at your side. How you get funded is you show them your skills through a straightforward evaluation process. Once you pass the evaluation, you get funded and trade with their pool of money and split the profits. Don't let the lack of buying power, capital, or fear of losing your own money prevent you from taking your trading to the next level. Visit tradethepool.com slash chat to learn more. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So even though you haven't blown up any trading accounts, have there been any costly mistakes during this time? Like, can you reflect on a, a really costly trading mistake if there have been any? Oh, geez, I can name a lot of them. And yeah, I mean, all throughout my first, my first two years, it would be my profit curve or, or whatever you wanted to look at was it was filled with, with big spikes and, and big drops and big spikes and big drops. And luckily, none of them were, were, were detrimental. But um, I would say probably the worst thing for me, um, as, as a, as a long bias trader, and, and I 
I, I do short every once in a while, but it's typically intraday. But for me was, um, averaging down was probably my big weakness and, and still kind of is because unfortunately when I was new, I, I got involved with some of the guys that, uh, do a lot of the really good marketing and they have really big followings and they'll send out alerts and they'll spike these stocks massively. Um, and when they're wrong, they'll average down on them and spike them up a little bit more and average down and spike them up and they'll eventually get out. But that doesn't work for, for you and I, or the average guy that doesn't have, they don't have a thousand people following our trades. If you average down on a bad trade, you're just putting yourself in a and just digging yourself into a huge hole. Um, and I, and I did that a couple of times where, um, I would, I would average down and, and I'd say, okay, well, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to, this is going to get me to back to even when it pops and when it doesn't, then you're just, you're just multiplying this, 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 this trade that's just going against you and your emotions get involved. And kind of like whenever I was up $25,000 on that trade, and I didn't know what to do. You're just sitting there and you're just, you're just paralyzed. Uh, you're, you're looking at the screen, but you're like, almost like you're blacked out. Like you, you, you're not seeing things correctly. And that, that's been, you know, my, my biggest thing that has hurt me is, is averaging, averaging down into trades and, you know, quite frankly, cutting that out and just saying, all right, just zero, none of that absolutely helped me. But it took about a year to figure out that that was actually not a good strategy. What things have been most beneficial to your development? Like I know you've read a lot of books. You were talking about that earlier. You said you've read a lot of books on trading. So has it been a matter of reading? Has it been, um, you know, content online? Has it been getting good education? Has it been screen time? Has it sort of been coming up with your own observations? Like what things have been most beneficial to you as a developing trader? All of the above, <laughs> everything you just said, screen time, uh, books. I mean, just putting all the pieces together. I mean, I don't want to say that like all the chat rooms or all the early things that were bad. I'm, I'm still in a couple of them where there's some guys that are really good and watching, watching somebody, you know, execute trades and, and talk through it. That's actually knowledgeable is just, I mean, there is just nothing more useful from that than, than getting a perspective and getting in somebody's head. Who's, who's really, really good. Kind of like a, like a digital age mentorship. But unfortunately there's a lot of them that aren't good, but the ones that are good are really helpful. Um, and then books like things that aren't even, you know, necessarily, I think, you know, all the new guys want to know about, you know, like, Oh, how did you, like, how did you see that, that signal and how did you get in? Or it's like, how'd you get in and how'd you get in? How'd you get in? But nobody really cares about like, how did you manage the trade or, you know, how did you control your emotions and how did you, I like to say like, how did you trade flawlessly? Like without, without error. I mean, it's not always going to work perfectly, but as long as you trade flawlessly, um, that's what really matters. And, and that, that came from reading, you know, old school trading books. Um, God, my mind's going blank right now, but I have lots of them that I've read and then screen time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, even if I was like losing money and it was hard and it was just rough, it was just getting, waking yourself up in the morning and, and just watching, you know, watching the tape and just putting all the tiny little pieces together. So it's hard to say what was most helpful, but I would say if, if any of that would be just like tracking, tracking progress. I wish I did that earlier and, and tracking trades and, and, and being able to see what works and what doesn't, because, you know, you can read 80 books, but what, what works for you, or you can watch, you know, a hundred trades, but what, what works for you is, is completely different than that's what really matters. And do you think that there was a turning point for you or do you think it's just been kind of accumulation or of, you know, things you've learned and more of a process more than a definitive turning point? Because, you know, you said, uh, 
your first six months, you had every month you were in the red. And then after that, um, things kind of turned around. Was there anything you can put your finger on that happened during that time? Yeah. So I guess the turning point for me was knowing that ironically, those first 10 trades that, that, or whatever trades that I did before I went full time, they were all based around a method that I, I didn't even realize I was doing was basically like trading sympathy plays or, or sector rotations or something like that. Like you're getting in a hot sector and your probabilities just go up infinitely. It's, I mean, it's just, you, you, you have a bid behind your trades and you have a really good chance of, of your trades working. Unfortunately, what I would do for the first two years is I would get in these sectors. I'd make a lot of really good money. And then for the next like three months, I would, or two months until a next, a really hot sector came in, I would just throw money away, essentially trying to learn options or futures or even trade a different strategy. But when I, when I could really sit down and, and, and look at the numbers and I could say, wow, I mean, in like a two week period, you made enough money to where you were fine losing for the next, you know, six weeks. So why don't you just, why don't you just do that? <laughs> you know, I know it sounds silly to be like, well, how did you not realize that? But it, again, it comes back to, to tracking and, and, and journaling and things like that. But it's, you know, doing that and then expanding to doing more of that and then finding things that work for me and things that don't work, just cutting that out. And, um, honestly, some of the guys on your, on your podcast, like, um, FT 71, um, like learning about like probabilities, things like that. And even, um, Tom, I'm going to butcher it, Dante or, or Dante, um, about like journaling and tracking and, and things like that. I mean, those were huge turning points because I was doing, I was making money, but I was losing it. And it was just about how, how to, to lose less and, and make more. And, and it sounds so simple, duh, but that, that was, that was big, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does sound simple, but unless you're actually measuring your, performance and you're actually tracking your trades and that sort of thing it's it's very easy to forget about what sort of things went wrong two weeks ago you know those trades are forgotten about by now and yes like them staring them in your face i mean once you get once they stare in your face and they don't go away it's it's really hard to forget about them but it's easy to forget about them if if you just don't track them absolutely absolutely and we're going to spend a little bit of time on uh journaling but before we do let's talk a bit about how you're actually trading uh, these days. So what sort of trader are you? How would you describe your, your methods in that? Yeah, I mean, I am trying to evolve constantly um, and, and, and learn new things. But I would say right now how what works for me is uh, consider it cash flow trading, intraday cash flow trading. So looking for really good opportunities um, each and every day, typically in the small cap sector, because it's kind of what I'm comfortable with. It's, it's what I've always done well. But looking for, for specific setups, specific times a day and in specific industries based on kind of what's hot. And it's, it's not like I'm going for home runs. I don't wake up in the morning and say, today's the day, you know, I'm going to hit it out of the park. It's going to be awesome. But it's like, all right, we're going to come in. I have a plan with maybe three or four stocks that are in play higher than average volume for their, for their style. And yes, they're garbage. Yes, more than likely they're going to do an offering at some point, but I'm not in it for the long term. I'm just trying to hit certain points. And, you know, if it's one or two or three or four trades a day, um, I go for really high probability. So I know some guys, you know, they thrive off maybe getting 30 or 40% of their trades correct, but hitting big home runs. I just go for the 70, 80% correct, taking my money, washing my hands, walking away and coming back and looking for the next one. Okay. Okay. So what you mentioned, um, cash flow, you're trading like cash flow. Can you just elaborate on that a little more? 
Yeah. So right now, because again, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still newish. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's been almost four years coming up June, but it's, I'm still learning a lot. So I, what I'm trying to do is basically build up a war chest so I can try different strategies, more maybe trend following or swing trading or, or, or going for bigger wins. But right now what I'm really just trying to do is build up my account, getting that screen time and getting comfortable with certain setups. Because as I'm sure your other guests and other people know, I mean, the one minute, a setup that works on the one minute, let's say a one minute chart flag works on a five minute chart flag, works on an hour, daily, weekly, monthly. But I'm trying to get those ones and fives and tens and 15 minute trade setups so I can start putting more money in these longer term plays. But, you know, it's all, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to build it daily, essentially. Now, I follow you on Twitter and I saw you post something uh, just the other day and you referenced a trade as a grade A setup. Would you mind talking to us about what is a grade A setup? Yeah. So for me, a grade A setup is, is kind of, and it's funny because you talked, I know you talked to another Alex, uh, who's heavily on the short side and he was talking about that, that big dry short that he had. And for me, the grade A setup, why that's his grade A setup shorting that my grade A setup is being on the other side of that going long that sector. So when that stock went from one to one fifteen. Now, I wasn't necessarily trading that stock because it had a lot of potential to be halted by the SEC and you know whatnot. But for me, a grade A setup is when something like that's just going bananas, and the other stocks in that sector have a really good chance of going with it. Not a hundred percent. Nothing's a hundred percent. But those those stocks in that sector um, that are similar similar size, float things like that. If a good setup comes in there, it's a really good chance it's going to go. So, you know, you have your three or four other stocks in that sector. You're watching them. You know, the, the, the leader stock gets a big push of volume. The other guys get a big push of volume. And you're watching this flag pattern or this consolidation setup. And for me, it's kind of like a big green light saying, all right, it's go time. Then you, you know, execute your trade however you want to your way. I'm more of a scale in and scale out kind of guy. So I like to, before I think there's going to be a breakout, I'll start a position End of the breakout. I start a position. And as soon as we break out, I'm already taking profit because again, I'm a cash flow guy. I'm not trying to get 150%. I'm just trying to make my money on that trade, use it, build up so I can make, I can put a bigger trade on for the similar style in the next one. Okay. Okay. So Alex, if I was to ask you what is your edge? How would you respond? My edge now um, would be I've, I've been able to identify what I'm really confident in and where, where I can control my emotions. And so I used to put on a trade and I would be so full of emotions that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it, put the trade on well, I guess you'd say. I would you know, stop out or, or sell too quickly. But now I've really gotten my emotions controlled that I can look at a chart and see it objectively and so when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. When I'm right, I'm right. And, and for me, that, that just kind of like, it changed, it changed things for me when you could see clearly without emotion that you can make just correct decisions as simply as that. It's not, it's not anything, you know, sexy. Like my edge is this like algorithm that I've built that tells me when to get in and get out. It's just, I, I know I can trust myself. I know when I should get out. I know when I should get in and I don't, I don't take massive losses. I think that's good. And I think a good question 
that I, I should ask you, especially because when I think about some of the people who I've had on this podcast previously who are trading small caps um, and they're trading them intraday, most of them seem to have a tendency uh, to be short on their trades, to favor the short side. You're much the opposite. Um, like you mentioned a little earlier, most of your trades are on the long side. Why do you think that is? Why do you tend to favor the long side more so than the short? Yeah. So I've, I've, I've given it a shot. I mean, I've, I've tried to do to, to short and, and quite frankly, it just has to do with, you know, who I am as a person and, and my risk tolerance. Um, you know, I can try to short all day long and I can know the theory behind it and how it works, but knowing that that black swan event is, could be around the corner. Um, and that, that my, I could go from, you know, having, let's say 11 great years of trading. And then that on that 12th year, I make one slip up and I'm potentially negative equity in my account that just doesn't settle well with me. And, and I have, I'm, I'm not saying it's not smart. I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. Um, I'm just saying it doesn't work for me. And it, and it took me a long time to realize that, that it's just, I, I kept trying it. I kept trying it. I kept trying it, but I had to realize that I'm just not comfortable out going with my edge is not having emotion. I'm just filled with emotion when I'm on the short side, because I'm just always in the back of my mind that it could really hurt. Even if it's a small size, it could really hurt. And, and I can work on it. I can spend a lot of time working on it, but I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about, you know, you're trying to avoid the black swans when you're shorting, what do you mean by that? Is, are you talking about because when you're short in a position that there's pretty much unlimited downside because the price can run as high as it likes? Right. And especially when you're trading small caps, maybe if you're trading things like Apple and you're short, you know, it's not likely going to go up a thousand percent on you. Um, but on some of these small cap ones that are trading at, you know, a buck 50, let's say, for example, it's not crazy to see them go to eight and in a flash, you know, um, and that's really hard to control risk. Not again, not saying that you can't control risk. You definitely can. But for me, it's like, what if you just you just came to work tired that day <laughs> or you just you just forgot to put in a stop or you, you know, or just something happened, your computer turns off. You know, and then next thing you know, you're in like just you're in over your head. Um, that's you know that that's just always in the back of my mind. Yeah, and you mentioned Alex, who I'd had on. Uh, I think it was episode 104, who obviously favors the short side very much. He actually spoke about that as well, and that was one of the things he um, you know kind of admitted was sometimes frightening about being a predominantly short seller. So you know, I'd, I'd encourage anyone to listen to that interview as well, uh, chatwithtraders.com slash 104. Let's talk a little bit about how you do manage risk. So talk to us about how you actually manage a trade once it's on and how, yeah, let's talk about that first and then we'll talk about position sizing. So how do you manage your trades? Yeah. So basically I used to trade off things like scanners or Honestly, that sounds bad. But people's alerts on stocks that I I didn't really know what they were or, or or really anything about them. But but now that I've gotten comfortable with myself, I know what I like. I I come in with about three or four stocks that I'm looking to trade that day, and I I know the exact levels where it's just that trade is done. Um, and so one of the things that I used to do when I when I started, and a lot of people start, a lot of people do. I see uh, either on Twitter or in different chat rooms, things like that is they say, okay, I'm going to risk $250 on this trade. I'm going to put my stop at that mark where it's $250. 
but they don't they don't pay attention to the, that the market doesn't care where that where that stop is. Your stop might be right on top a uh, right right near support, and it's going to test that, take it, and go. But what I do is I set levels where I know, and this is I learned from FT seventy one from your podcast and just following my other ways is you set it you set your stop where the trade is just no longer. For me, it's like if I'm going long when the stock goes low of day and it breaks the low of day, I'm out. Like just no questions asked. I'm out. So if I'm willing to risk, let's say $300 on a trade, I say, if it, if it goes that below that low of day and it's at $300, it's just, I'm, I'm out. It doesn't matter what, you know, you can't, you can't, you couldn't sit there and say, no, you need to do it. It's smart. No, I'm out. Um, and it's, it's really as simple as that. Okay. And how do you manage your position size or how do you think about position sizing and just to take that one step further, how has this changed over the course of your time trading? Mm, okay. Yeah. So over the course of the time, I, I don't think I really managed it in the beginning. It was kind of like I, I, I would do like what I saw other people doing almost or, you know, it, it would go off, I guess, a gut instinct like, oh, this, you know, this sounds good. I'm going to I'm going to put a quarter of my account in or half of my account. Now I have based off, you know, tracking my trades, I have trades that I'm very comfortable with and trades that I'm working on getting comfortable with. The ones that I'm very comfortable with, I'm, I'm okay with putting about 30% of my account in a trade in. And again, it's not, it's not an exact science or not, not again, it's just not an exact science for me. Maybe it should be, maybe, maybe that could be something I could work on. Um, but, but as my account grows, I just, I just take it a little bit slightly larger positions. Yeah, I, I wish I had a better answer. It's not really science for me yet. Um, I think that that is that's a part of my my plan going forward. But but really, for me, it's about managing managing that risk, like knowing where I'm going to stop out. And as far as position sizing, I like to scale into trades. So if I'm looking for a breakout, take a little bit of a starter position, and I don't go full size into that breakout level just in case it fails and I and I'm at, at a big loss. But it would be just building into that breakout and then selling into that breakout. Okay. Okay. So how many times are you likely to scale into a trade? Uh, I guess it probably depends on how far the move runs, but yeah. Can you give us a bit of an idea around that? Yeah, I would say probably maximum like three times to scale in. Um, so I usually have like a little starter and the reason for that uh, is, you know, if, if I'm completely wrong, then it's not going to hurt me very much. It's going to be a very, very small loss. Um, and then as we progressively get closer to this, this area that I'm looking at, maybe I'll take one more before we get there. And then I like to basically hit like on that spot because if I'm right, then it's a quick, it's a quick little push and I can take a little bit off. And if I'm wrong and it pulls back, like it's quick, I know it's not going to, it's not going to go. And I'm okay with that. And then at that point I'm, I'm, I've already got a little bit of profit buffer. Um, and so I can either take it all off or scale out, but but typically, if, if, if something that I'm looking for, if I'm looking for a breakout and it doesn't break out, I'll just take my position off. And it's not like I'm done with that trade. But usually right now, because, again, I'm, I'm really going for consistency. I'm really trying to go home green every day. It's, you know, if it, if it didn't work, maybe I'm missing something. Um, you know, I, I just move on. Have you ever run into any challenges with scaling? Because when you scale, it's you know, you, you can end up giving back some of your gains on, you know, as you take your, your second scale, you can, if that doesn't work out, you can end up giving back gains that you've made on that entire trade or maybe not an entire trade, but a good portion of them. 
Have you ever run into any challenges that are somewhat similar to that sort of scenario? Oh yeah, totally. Um, and that's actually one of the things I, I came into the 2017 working on is that I, I let a lot of my, my scales, my ads kind of hurt me because I would be in a really good position and then I'd add right into, right into a, either a wall or a, and it would just come right back. And then that, that last ad was what either turned a winning trade into a loser. Um, so that, that is painful. And then <laughs> the really painful thing, and it's just, it's just something that you see a lot of guys on, on Twitter and just talk about in general is, you know, letting your winners run and, 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 and stopping on your losers fast. Well, you know, it's, it's for, for me as a, as a guy mentally who is fighting with my back against the wall for, for years. And when I could take it, when I could, when I could get a win, I, I wanted to take it. And it's the hardest thing is whenever you're scaling into a trade and you've got some green to try to let something that's already winning run, knowing that very, very well it could come back and stop out. And you're, you're looking at this, you know, unrealized, let's just say, you know, two or $300 gain. And, and it just, evaporates and you had it. And it was like, it was in your hand, but you just let it go. And that's so hard. It's so hard. But, but then you also can see the times that, Oh my God, it could, it could have run another 50, you know, the kind of trading that, that, that I focus on, which is very volatile, small cap, it can go another 50, hundred percent. I mean, you don't know, you just don't know. And that's, that's right there with probably one of the, the hardest parts about, about trading is just, you obviously don't know. Um, and, and it's, it's something that is actually, I think I wrote it on Twitter this week. That was my number one goal was to leave my runners on. And what do you know? All my runners this week on have been stopped out because obviously the, the S and P is going down. I mean, the trades aren't following through, but you got to do it. I mean, it's just, it's a part of the game. <laughs> yeah. And with your scales, are they equal position size or do they, is each scale slightly smaller? How do you work that part? Yeah. So you typically, my first, my first start is my smallest. And this kind of also goes with, um, my comfort, is it an A, is it an A setup, a B setup or a C setup? If it's maybe a C, maybe I just add, just consistently keep adding small ones. Let's just throw out a number. Just, just for example, like a thousand shares, a thousand shares, and then a thousand shares in the breakout. But if it's something I'm really comfortable with, like we're talking about that, that sector when the drop, when the shippers were going crazy, starting off with maybe a thousand shares and the next one's 2000. And then heck, if I'm really feeling like this is the, like the stars are lining up 5,000 or 10,000 shares into that, and then quickly scaling out, like taking that risk off as soon as it works. Cause I don't want that, that, that major exposure, but I just, I go this, it, it just, this is gonna, this is gonna work. And you know, it sucks when it doesn't, but when it does, it's awesome. So it, it really goes along with, and I know you said you're gonna talk about journaling and tracking later, but it goes with, where's my confidence. I know where my confidence is and I'm willing to put on more size when I'm really confident, when I'm not, I, I'm just, I'm just going to keep it small and, you know, just take that, take those little wins and, and move on. Well, let's get into that now. Let's talk a bit about your journaling and how you manage all of that. So how do you use your trading journal and what sort of things are you focused on? Yeah. So I would, I would say it's like my most important tool. I spend probably, I don't know, a few hundred bucks a month, maybe probably a thousand bucks a month on different scanners and, and, uh, charting platforms and all that stuff. But I think it's Microsoft OneNote trading journal. And then my Excel spreadsheet and Edgewonk, I, I spend almost nothing on, but I get the most value out of them. But I didn't do it in the beginning. I actually had it set up and I just didn't log it because in my opinion, it was, I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know like, what was I looking for in these spreadsheets? But now all I do is I just, at the end of the day, I just log all my trades, no matter what winners, losers. If it was a 
a, a, a flat trade, I still log it. And it's very time consuming, especially when you do scaling trading like I do, because you've got to put in all your scales, all your scale outs, notes on all the scales. But um, how I use it is on my just on my Microsoft OneNote, I have a different log for each day. And I just simply write out notes for the day. Like when I, when I wake up in the morning, you know, and sounds silly, but I'm like, you know, I've got a good night of sleep. I'm feeling rested. I'm feeling ready. Maybe today we can put on a little bit more risk. You know, I'm looking at these sectors and I'm just kind of like talking to myself really, and then writing it down. And then throughout the day, I'll just put, put simple notes of like, just things that I notice. like, Hey, this, you know, this stock's getting some interesting volume while these other ones are. And it's really just a log of what I'm, what I'm talking to myself. Um, basically, cause I, I work from home. I work by myself. <laughs> I, I, I don't have coworkers and like that. So it, it's kind of how I do it. And then at the end of the day, I put how much profit I made that day. And then like a couple, like what I did well and what I could work on. And that's it. That's, that's it. And then I just keep them all. And then in my, what I, I use uh, Edgewonk for, for trading, my, tracking my trades. Um, I put some very detailed information in there and it's really helped me like uh, just immensely helped me putting detailed information such as time of day that uh, the trades happen. That's been a huge one for me, figuring out what time of day is. I, I, there's some times of days that I just shouldn't be trading. And I found that, um, the setup, why I got in, why I got out, how my emotions were a rating between one and five of my confidence level on that trade. Geez, I probably like four or five other more uh, columns on, on just each individual trade because after you get a hundred trades in there and you can start, start filtering through different things, you start noticing things like really quickly. For example, I, I noticed very quickly that I usually start the day off with a losing trade in the first like 15 minutes of the day, eight times out of 10, I would, I would start off with a losing trade and then I'd be fighting to get back to green. And so very easily I could, I identified that and I said, okay, you've got to sit on your hands and, and, and pass that first trade up and let the market cool off a bit. And then you go and then, and then you start attacking your trades. And I mean, it's just so much, it just feels so much better to come at it that way. And then also noting which of my, my trades have the most confidence level. Like you were saying, how do you, how do you scale into trades? Well, if I see a certain setup that my comp, I know my confidence level is high on these specific setups. Those are the ones I'm willing to put more risk on. The ones that are maybe like a one, two, or three, they're still profitable. You know, I still make money on them on the, on the long run, but you know, it's just, it's just not ones that, that I'm really willing to put a lot of risk on. And that's the kind of things I've been able to notice. Yeah. And it was really funny to say, or, or not funny, it was really cool to see uh, this chart that you shared and it showed the growth of your account and then you had a big red arrow pointing to where you actually started to journal your trades and the way that the account grew from that point on was um, quite a bit quicker. So that was very cool. And guys, I'll just mention actually, as you brought it up, Alex, I'm an affiliate for Edgewonk as well. So if you guys want to check that out, it's edgewonk.com. And if you use the coupon code TRADERS, you'll actually get $20 off. So um, we're worth a look. Uh, moving forward from this point, Alex, what are some of the things you are really trying to focus on? What are some of the things you're trying to improve or achieve? Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> so my, 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 I guess you consider my playbook right now is, is, rather, is rather small. The things that I'm really comfortable with are... Um, I have like three or four different setups that I, that I come to the market with every day and I try to, to expand on or try to make money in those. And I really want to expand that slowly 
um, and, and at, at a, at a low risk pace. So, you know, again, going back to one of my biggest problems that I have personally is that I see guys putting up just massive numbers all the time. I mean, I, I do well for myself, but guys that are doing like 20 or 30 times better every single day. And there's guys that aren't legitimate. And there's guys that are, but seeing those guys, they just have such a wide net of, of things that they can look for. Um, different styles of trading when the market's down, up, sideways, when different things are going. And I would really like to expand on that because I, I, you know, I have a couple of things that I look for and I can usually find like one or two trades a day. And that's, don't get me wrong, it's great. But to really take it to the next level, um, I'm looking to, to add more of those and then scaling up my trading for the longest time. You know, I, again, I, I was just trying to be consistent. Um, I just wanted to make money every day and that's all I wanted. And I just, even if it was a hundred bucks, just to go home every day with that. Um, really trying to, 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 as my account grows, slowly size up in my trades, not like anything drastic, like all of a sudden I'm start putting on margin. I, I still have never traded with margin and, and maybe I will, but really trying to, to scale up. Um, and I would love to start doing, start looking into some more longer term strategies, trend following, um, or, or position trading or swing trading, because I do zero of that right now. And I know it works and I know people can, can do it. I just, it just has not been a priority of mine. My priority has just been get my back off the wall, get some consistency. And now that I've done that, it's, I'm trying to, to shift gears, um, to, to growing now. Yeah, that's cool, man. I like the way you think. <laughs> so you're trying to do a lot more like different strategies, you know, that you're trying to do more things, which I think is really great. Is there anything you're trying to do less of? Well, I, I've, after going through my journal, uh, again, <laughs> not to keep harping on this, but it's just how I find things. I noticed that um, because I trade stocks under $10, typically, that, that also falls underneath the $1 mark. So I guess you'd call them penny stocks. Um, I'm just garbage at trading those. And for some reason, I just keep trying and I keep trying. It would be great to just completely cut that out. And I, and I know I should, but it's like, as soon as I cut it out, I have like, the, you, you have that one good trade. And I think that's kind of a lot of people's problem is that they know they should be doing something and they get a little taste of, uh, of something good and it's doing less of that. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure if you were to ask me and I could, and I could really think about it, there'd be just a ton of things to be doing less of, but I guess, I guess what I'm trying to, I'm trying to do more of good things right now. <laughs> so I'm just trying to, trying to increase those, the, the bad things. Uh, hopefully those will, those will dwindle out as I do more of the right things. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really interesting observation that you've been able to pick up from your journal is that, you know, stocks in different sort of, uh, price groups, uh, you perform considerably different in. That's quite interesting. Something I'd not really, uh, thought about before. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool to hear that. Just to take us out, Alex, are there any suggestions uh, you'd like to share for traders who feel kind of stuck right now, who are still trying to find some traction? Um, is there any final words you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, I would say, you know, everybody goes at their own pace. Um, everybody does things the way they want. You know, I, I've, I, I personally trade a certain style, which is low risk. Some people would probably think that's absolutely boring. They would hate it. It worked for me. Uh, there are guys that trade, you know, super high risk and it works for them. And I have nothing against that, but it, it really comes down to like figuring out what you're good at. Like what, or not necessarily what you're good at, but like, what are you comfortable doing? What, what do you want to do? Just cause you see guys killing it, um, trading futures or options. 
you know, it doesn't mean that that's going to fit your personality. It doesn't mean that's going to be what's going to make you thrive. You've got to really look at what's, what's going to be for you. Do you want to be a high percentage trader? You know, do you want to trade 70, 80% of the time be winners? Or are you cool with being 30% and just sitting back and just watching your trades work for weeks at a time while you're just, while you're relaxing? Because, you know, that, that's cool. I mean, like, heck, go for it. But it really matters about what you want to do because you can't fit somebody else's mold. And I tried that for so many years. I see so many people that do that on a daily basis and it's just figure out what works for you and, and grind, man. I mean, just make it work if you want it to work, but don't, don't put those landmines around you by just putting leverage on early, trying to go for too much. Just, just make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice, man. Very good. Alex, I know you keep a pretty low key profile online. You are on Twitter though. Do you want to share your Twitter handle? Yeah. So, uh, recently got into it. My wife pushed me out there to try to get me to, uh, to talk to some people and, and get involved. But, uh, it's just at T A G R trades. So tagger trades. Okay. Good stuff. Alex, I've really enjoyed this, man. Thank you for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's been, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it as well. Hey traders. Thanks heaps for listening to this episode with Alex. I really hope you enjoyed it. I just want to remind you, Chat With Traders event coming up in New York on the 2nd of May. If you're in the area, I do hope to see you there. For all the details and to reserve your spot, please go to chatwithtraders.com slash NY. Hit me up on Twitter if you've got any questions. My handle is simply at chatwithtraders. Again, that link one more time to reserve your spot. Please go to chatwithtraders.com slash NY. Thanks a lot, guys. If we don't speak in the meantime, I'll catch you on next week's episode. You've reached the end of this episode of Chat with Traders, but rest assured there are more episodes loaded with real market insight and zero hype on the way soon. So to stay updated with each great new release, subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, and we'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next time on Chat with Traders. Chat with Traders.